Jen, Christmas is a bummer. Everyone's all happy and I'm lonely. Why does it mommy like Christmas like us? For Chris, Christmas is a calling. Uh, my name's Chris. As in Chris Kringle, right? You're the son of Santa Claus. Merry Christmas, everybody! <laughs> you have got to find a woman who is 100% into Christmas. Your mom doesn't care about Christmas. But what I remember about Christmas is being left with an infant when my husband walked out on us. That was the last present my mom gave me before she died. We have Christmas romance. You're not falling for humbug mommy, are you? You can never stop opening yourself up to the chance of magic coming into your life. There's no magic, Chris. Oh, there's magic. You just don't see it yet. Reveals an unexpected truth. I think I'm falling in love with you. I'm in love with you, too. You've made me ready to finally take over for my dad and become Santa myself, and I want you to come with me. That drives them apart. You're wasting my time on another guy you can't grow up. Who thinks he's the son of Santa Claus? She was the one, and I blew it. Only a Christmas miracle. Why don't you believe Chris is the real Santa? Chris just pretends to be Santa. So I believe in Chris, huh? Can bring them back together. A bunch of Christmas presents suddenly appeared under the Christmas tree. And it has your name on it! Marvista Entertainment presents... Samira Armstrong, Matthew Lawrence, Julie Brown, and Jim O'Hare. I believe, I believe in the Christmas spirit and I believe in you. In my Santa. M -m -m my Santa, yeah. This one comes via Netflix, made, I believe, for the Ion Network, produced by our good friends at Marvista Entertainment, which is becoming a running theme. They are also responsible for the Christmas Kiss, probably others. I only started noticing them now um, for a lot of reasons. It's Emily here with another solo stocking stuffer on 2013's My Santa. You heard the movie in that trailer form. Uh, this is a story about a single mom named Jen who lives in a smallish town and works for the local newspaper as a human interest reporter. And she has given up on love because she does not want her son's heart to be broken. Uh, her, hus her husband left her very cruelly and amazingly, and we'll get to that, the details of that. Uh, and what do you know? She happens to be opening herself up to love the same time that Chris Kringle Jr., I guess is what his full name would be, um, there is some rule in the North Pole that I guess in order to replace Santa Claus or for Santa re to retire and somebody else to take over, that somebody has to have, the, the rules are so, they're, they're never established, uh, but it seems as though the rules are, okay, you have to have a certain amount of magic and or a wife and or just have had sex i don't know it's weird it seems as though it's been the last couple of years chris uh played by matthew lawrence and his assistant elf played by jim o'hare from parks and rec keep traveling to different towns in order to meet a woman and like the opening kind of reminds you of that scene in coming to america when they're trying to figure out where to go only they're in the parking lot of some mall somewhere in California saying like, nope, this is the town. This is where it's going to happen. But even though we know um, Chris needs to either get a wife or magic, 
the, the rules of my Santa are not very well established because, spoiler alert, we never get to see the North Pole. You would think a movie like this is all about, okay, eventually we're going to show you the true magic and you're going to see Chris in action in his home turf, and we don't. That is how cheap this movie is. The movie is cheap for a lot of reasons, or rather there's a lot of uh, things in the movie that show its budget, if you will. Uh, I should say it is directed by Sam Irvin of a movie called My Christmas Prince. Not A Christmas Prince, the one that we talked about already, but My Christmas Prince. And also he did last year or 2015's I'm Not Ready for Christmas, which I did cover last year. That is a Hallmark Alicia Witt movie. Now this one, again, to tell you, you know it's cheap. Here's why. The opening credits begin, and they are done in Times New Roman font. And that tells you something right there, because I feel I'm not a graphic designer, but I think it's pretty known that you, you don't do titles in Times New Roman. Also, nobody in the graphics department was smart enough to figure out that a white font is not the best idea when you're opening your movie on a white house. So I couldn't read several of the opening credits. It's just a little thing, you know? Uh, We also, throughout the movie, whenever characters are in certain rooms that clearly were not designed to have movies shot in them, uh, we get a lot of echoes or a lot of, like, muffled audio. You kind of heard that in the trailer. You also heard whoever was dubbing the trailer kind of seemed to be recording from a bathroom as well. So it's just a few things like that. Uh, Now, the story... I mentioned a little bit, so Jen is a busy, you know, kind of closed-off woman, I guess. She's not that career-driven. She's a human interest reporter, which I guess you can make a living and, you know, uh, pay for your own home with that career in this town in California. It does not seem believable to me, but hey, it's a movie. And she does not have the spirit of Christmas. And guys, what do you know? You know what story she has to write this week? She has to write a human interest story about the meaning of Christmas and the spirit of Christmas. So it's a little bit of a challenge for her. But thankfully, when she brings her son, Eric, who is insufferable, as you would expect, to meet Santa Claus, he... What do you? I mean, it's real Santa Claus, obviously. It's Chris. Or not real Santa Claus. Santa Claus's son. But uh, Eric bonds with Chris. And uh, Eric really wants an action figure for Christmas. But it's become like the hot toy that's impossible to get. So Santa says, oh, don't worry. You'll get it. And this, when Jen hears about this, she gets pissed off. So she marches Santa to a private room to give her a piece of her mind. And in that little confrontation, they kind of flirt. And it's okay. So then they sort of have a little moment of stuff later she meets him when she decides after her kid whines about it so much to get him a real christmas tree so she goes to the christmas tree lot and what do you know there's chris again so they don't particularly date like what happens is they buy a tree or they don't i don't know if they actually paid for it but he delivers it to the home later uh he while there she tries to bake cookies but it comes out they burn, but don't worry, he can whip up cookies in five minutes flat because he's Santa Claus's son. And the chemistry is starting to be there. I think they have one more half date, and then apparently they're in love. And now this second half date is really something. Because what happens is Jen has been late on her deadline to write this human interest story about the spirit of Christmas. So her editor sends her to visit this family in town, the Johnsons. 
And the Johnsons are notable because even though they're having a really rough year, they still love Christmas. And what does that mean? You walk into this beautiful home and there is, they are all white and blonde, this family, this young family, two kids, husband and beautiful wife. Uh, And the dad was laid off and it's been really tough. And so the kids talk about Christmas and this year they're not getting presents and it's really sad. And when Jen goes, she brings Chris as Santa Claus there so that he can spread holiday cheer to this really, really poor white family in this beautiful California suburb. Uh, The wife burns the turkey, but Chris once again saves it by backwards cooking it with his Santa magic. This, by the way, is a sign. It means that his Santa magic is growing more powerful, and it's because he's falling in love with Jen. Uh, Chris also gives the dad a job at the Christmas tree lot. So Christmas is saved for this family. And really, what more do you need? As long as this one pretty white family is happy, I think we could have ended the movie right there, quite frankly. But we don't. Uh, Instead, we get one more date where Jen really is starting to feel this thing with Chris. uh, And he takes her to an ice skating rink, which gets me very happy, of course. And then he's ready to confess because it's Christmas Eve and he's got to tell her, look, I love you. And she says, I love you, even though like they I don't even think they've kissed yet. I'm Santa Claus's son, and this is great that you're into the holiday now. She has, by the way, already written her human interest story that talks about the Christmas spirit, so we know she's okay. Uh, As you might expect, Jen's reaction is, what the fucking crazy shitbag did I fall in love with? Clearly, he's insane. And so she ends the date, gets really disappointed. Her uh, way of resolving this is throughout the movie, there has been a second love interest for her, this handsome reporter who's been hired at her staff to do the crime beat. And he's like from the big city and, you know, is like looking for real stories and stuff. And he takes her out on a date early in the film and she kind of doesn't really feel much with him, but, you know, kind of keeps trying because I guess there's no other men in this town for her to date. And Christmas Eve, she calls him so that she can go to dinner with him to like really gauge how serious he is and he's like I'm not that serious I kind of just met you and I'm not really ready to be a dad to your terrible son yet she's like oh okay yeah all right I guess all men are terrible she goes home presumably to never date again and instead uh finally start the relationship we've all wanted her to start in this movie which is with her neighbor played by Julie Brown not downtown Julie Brown but redhead Julie Brown from MTV in the 80s who I love Uh, and the entire movie is just constantly there so you're like ooh, something's gonna happen between them sadly it doesn't because right as she gets home Eric discovers there are presents under the tree one is for him and it's that magic Mike action figure I know it's not magic Mike but it's easier for me to call it magic Mike and the other one Jen opens, and it is something very important to her. Now, let me go back to a flashback we have in the movie. So Jen is bitter about men because her husband left her on Christmas Eve. I guess it was like the year her son was born. And the movie gives us one flashback, and it is kind of the greatest flashback in film history. Not not to speak too highly, but it is. It is... Christmas Eve and it is dark and it is foggy and it's just the husband uh, about to walk out and screaming about how she tricked him into having a baby. We don't know what went down but it made me curious for that movie and he's ready to leave and as he does he picks up his coat and he knocks over a Hummel figurine that she had on her desk and it smashes and she picks it up and does a Darth Vader no and she says to him you knew how much that meant to me and he says 
it's ugly. I'm glad it's broken and storms out of the house. Uh, and then as she's telling this story to Chris during their second date, and she says, um, you know, it was the last gift her mother gave her and so on. So now, you know, fast forward to the end of the movie, Jen opens up a box and oh my God, it's the Hummel figurine. So, whoa, he must be Santa Claus's son, as he claimed. Jen grabs Eric, they get in the car, they have to find him and they have to find him. I guess they figure he's living in the outdoor mall where he's playing Santa Claus, and their hunch is correct, and he is. So, uh, she gets to him, says, I believe you, I believe in Christmas. They kiss, it starts snowing, and the movie ends. Does this mean that she has now agreed to be Mrs. Claus? Does that mean that she must now vacate her life and move to the North Pole? Does that mean Eric is next in line for Santa Claus? Does this mean a lot of things? We don't know because the movie doesn't fucking take us to the North Pole. For all we know, quite frankly, this guy could be crazy. He could just be really good in the kitchen and he was able to do these things. We have no proof in the end that this man was Santa Claus's son. Because the movie is too cheap to give us any kind of winter wonderment. Uh, that's the story of my Santa. It's a weird one, guys. It is a really weird one. The best thing, too, is that the movie ends. And then we get 34 seconds of credits. I'm guessing it was, again, made for TV, made for Ion. So it's about, on Netflix, it comes out to be like 124 in terms of the running length. And I guess it just turns out that that was the exact chunk of time for uh, that you would put it on TV with commercials. But I had to pause and rewind because the credits went by so fast that I just couldn't even handle it. And the credits aren't even complete. They don't tell you where the movie was filmed. Obviously, California. But they don't say that in the credits. So... That's my Santa. Let's get into the tenets of a cozy cardigan Christmas and if it fits it. Number one, our lead in need of a lesson. Yeah, you think? Jen literally does not have the spirit of Christmas. She says this about 18 times during the course of the movie. I, and Oh, God. I, I didn't recognize. This actress has worked a lot. Her name is, um, I guess, Samara Armstrong. I didn't recognize her. She has a lot of TV in her IMDb. Uh, so she is a working actress. I found her insufferable and kind of odd. She has a really weird way of talking. It's kind of like if you were Jennifer Tilly, but not Jennifer Tilly, if that makes sense. And there's just certain words she pronounces very strangely. It was all a weird thing. Uh, she does need to learn a lesson, and it's not about not liking her career, because she seems very ambivalent about her career, even though if you are a paid reporter in 2017, you should be really thankful for that job and not miss a deadline by five days, which is what she does in the opening of this movie. Again, our second case of a career woman, quote-unquote, being really shitty at her job. So she needs to learn to love Christmas. Spoiler alert, she does, as you know. Number two, our setting, which... I assumed we were going to get a magical winter wonderland. But again, as I said, there is nothing. No, no, like even twinkling of looking up at the sky and seeing a reindeer go by. No flashback of Chris talking to his dad. Nothing at all. Absolutely not. Uh, the charming, I, I guess it's like a charming small town. It's suburbia. See, I had a moment watching this movie. I had forgotten, like I didn't recognize anybody in the movie other than Jim O'Hare and, and of course, Julie Brown. And so briefly, I'm looking at uh, the act, the character played by Matthew Lawrence, and I'm thinking, like, he looks really familiar. I know I've seen him in something, and I could not place it. 
and I'm watching this at the gym, so I'm not like ready to pause and look it up. And at a certain point, I started to think, oh, is, wait a minute, is that White Josh from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? And so then in my head it was, and it made the movie way better. But also, because in watching it and seeing this movie is set in sort of dull suburbia of California, I then rewrote it so that they were actually setting the movie in West Covina, which again, any Crazy Ex-Girlfriend fans, you know that's the setting of that movie. If you pretend it's happening there, much better movie. Much better movie. Number three, our bland love interest. Again, as I mentioned, Matthew Lawrence, not White Josh. Uh, he is into manual labor, technically, because he is running a Christmas tree lot. That's what Santa Claus's son does when he's undercover trying to find love. You can make an argument that this is sort of a very white remake of Coming to America. A Christmas white person version of Coming to America. Only not that good. Now, Matthew Lawrence was actually okay in this. Uh, he looks very young. And it's not that he looks that much younger than the actress playing Jen. It's just that he really has a very much a baby face. And his character is kind of a baby. His character is Santa Claus's son. And all he seems to know is, um, uh, you know, how to make magical Santa memories. And I'm pretty sure he's a virgin. And she is definitely not, because obviously she has a kid. Uh, so it's just kind of strange overall, everything about this relationship. But hey, you know, I'm not judging. Whatever works for you. Love is beauty. That's fine. Four, montage. We get a Santa Claus being visited by children in a outdoor shopping mall montage. And it's notable because uh, every child is of a different, different ethnicity. So that is also the only place that they're able to get black people in the movie. So hey, whatever you got to do. Number five, dead parents. Yes. And it comes in the most random reveal as after her humble figure is broken and she says to not white Josh, but Matthew Lawrence, it was the last gift my mother gave us before she died. And that's the only talk we ever get about her mother. Number six, of course, is the sassy sidekick. And in this one, we get none other than the sassiest of all, Julie Brown. Now, you might remember her. She had a show on MTV in the late 80s. It was fantastic. She made a movie in 1994, I guess, uh, called The Attack of the Five Foot Two Women. And it was about her as Tanya Harding and her as Lorena Bobbitt. I have Lorena Bobbitt or Babbitt? Bobbitt. Bobbitt, right? Yeah, we'll go with Bobbitt. Uh, I have no idea if that still exists anywhere or if it was any good, but I remember liking it when I was 12. Uh, she plays the neighbor. And it's, at first it's odd. You're thinking, oh, maybe she's her sister because she's always there. But no, she is um, Jen's neighbor. And her entire life seems to be babysitting Eric. That's all we ever see her do. And she's doing it like all the time. Every single time Jen goes out to work. For also, I don't know why this kid isn't in school because it doesn't seem that late in the year. But regardless, uh, she, I think her name is Susan in the movie. She is, gets to be her redheaded, wacky self. She is sassy. She, I, I feel like they could have, they missed an opportunity to let her just improv and do her own dialogue, but clearly they don't. She, we know she's sassy because she does wear earrings and she does get to say things like, snap out of it, girlfriend. Uh, later, she does get rewarded in the movie because she kind of commiserates with Jen throughout about how, you know, there's the lack of men in this, you know, small suburb in California. Uh, and at the end of the movie, Jen gives her a gift, which is the business card of the other guy she had been dating, the hotshot reporter, 
for Susan to then call. I guess that's, hey, Merry Christmas, Susan. Merry Christmas. The evil woman character we don't really get, and that's disappointing. I guess Jen is sort of the stand-in for that because she so hates Christmas for so much of the movie. But number eight for Slapstick, we, again, to me, I think it's official Slapstick slash woman not being able to cook or bake. And we get that in twice, two cases, once where Jen is making cookies and burns them. And then later when Mrs. Johnson is making a turkey and burns it. So there, that, that does count. Our sage old person, we get uh, a few, actually. There is Jack, played by Jim O'Hare from Parks and Recreation. And he is, I I guess he's an elf. It seems like he's supposed to be an elf. Or he's, uh, okay, you know what he is, plain and simple. He is Arsenio Hall in Coming to America. Only a little less sassy. But he does give wisdom and support when Chris needs it. Uh, Jen also has an editor at her tiny little newspaper that pays everybody enough to own homes in Southern California. And the editor has a girlfriend who works, is uh, also a reporter. And they're both older. And I guess it's supposed to be like this kind of sweet story of, you know, the crusty old editor and the uh, his girl Friday. And they're both probably in their like 70s or so. Uh, and they don't really give that much advice except kind of them getting engaged and sort of talking about being happy is is there to make us all think about things, I'd say. And number 10, Santa Claus. Obviously, we get Santa Claus. So it's really 9 out of 10. As far as our bonuses go, public domain holiday songs, we get most of them, okay? I mean, every bit of music in this movie, I think except for the song that plays over the end credits, uh, nothing is credited. I I had to watch them and rewind them because they went by so quickly. But there is only one song credited for this movie, but obviously there's a lot of music. There is caroling. There's uh, instrumental music every time there's a romance scene and so on. Shockingly... And I think this is like, what, the eighth movie or so I've covered so far this year. The first one to not use anything from the Nutcracker or Oh Christmas Tree. So Mar Vista, who are clearly not spending a lot of money on many things, found a way to not go for the easy hook. So good for them. Product placement, I didn't catch. However, I am going to make a point that, like most of these movies, um... There is a good deal of fake Christmas tree shaming going on. So maybe another uh, secret benefactor of these movies is the Christmas, the living or live Christmas tree industry. Because this movie just makes so many points about how terrible it is to have a fake Christmas tree. And it's really akin to, I don't know, killing a child on Christmas Day. Uh, Cloying child, yes, we do. He's... The problem, like what's been happening in a lot of these movies, I think they keep casting kids who are way older than they're supposed to be playing. This kid is seven, played by a kid that I'm guessing is probably nine or ten. And he just loves Christmas so much. And he's really annoying. And I don't mean to insult this kid. It's really not his fault. At that point, the director needs to step in and... I don't know, tell the kid to not be so annoying. I don't direct movies, but I know a thing or two from watching 900 of the same one this year. Bonus of ice skating. Yes, we get it. Uh, I got really excited because Chris says, I'm going to take you somewhere special. Cut to the outdoor sign for an ice skating rink. And yes, and they go skating. And it's one of those magical skating rinks where everybody knows how to skate. 
which sure, sure, people, yeah, you can do that. And uh, it's beautifully cheap. It is probably the size of my apartment. Um, and my husband pointed out, if you look carefully, they are sitting down at one point talking, and you can see it's the same person skating by over and over again, sometimes in different outfits. So again, Marvissa knows how to stretch a penny or two. Good on them. Bonus of Canadianisms, none that I caught because it's clearly filmed in California. Oh, and by the way, it snows at the very end. So that's your other, like, winter thing again. Uh, it happened in Buffy. It happened in one of the other magical Christmas movies we watched this year. And it happens here in My Santa. Uh, we One Canadian joke, I guess, is that Chris is trying to... Jen asks him where he's from. And he answers with North. Of course, you're like, oh, my God, you can't say North Pole. You're, you're you know, you, she's not ready to not think you're crazy yet for that. So then he says, Northern Canada. Ah, and a book character with a Christmassy name. Obviously, Chris is Chris Kringle. Now, before I tell you what I think overall about my Santa, I go once again to the IMDb reviews where I find a special one. Uh, this one doesn't have a star rating. I don't know why, but um, it is written by somebody named Armand from Romania. And Armand writes, The Christmas spirit saves all. The mediocre films, the social relations, the holidays. And that film, who could be a lovely fairy tale. Not special, but enough nice for a comfortable evening. Love, miracle, a child and a change. Good ingredients for an adventure without great ambitions. A film about family. And that could be a surprise. Interesting, maybe seductive for the fans of Samara Armstrong and Matthew Lawrence. Not the best choice for the lead character, but that is only a detail. Film for a holiday. It has all sins and virtues of genre, soup for soul, pink poetry, common and not brilliant, but useful for celebrate, in not great manner, the joy of the birth of Jesus. I can't say it any better. I don't know what I could add to that. My Santa is on Netflix. So uh, those with a Netflix queue, you can pull it up. You can watch it. You can download it and watch it while you're on the elliptical and constantly pause it every five minutes to take notes because there's too much going on that you are afraid you're not going to remember by the time you sit down to record an episode about it. Uh, it's it's one of the ones that I found delightful because it's so cheap and, as Armand says, so low in ambition and um, budget that it's kind of charming it's not offensive because it doesn't, I think, have enough, uh, what's the word, intelligence to be so. But it's it's kind of one I recommend for when you want to see the really bottom of the barrel in a good way. So similar to how I felt about a, Christ the, a Christmas kiss. No, the uh, uh, Christmas kiss. This comes down to Marvista is where you go for the stupid, really dumb, really innocent ones that are going to give you way more than you expected.
Father Christmas, Father Christmas, Father Christmas, Father Christmas, on his merry Christmas. Christmas. 